Today on the Matt Walsh Show, the woke mob cancels a contestant on The Bachelor and then cancels the host of The Bachelor for defending the contestant. So what does this teach us about how cancel culture works? Also, five headlines, including Trump getting his record second impeachment acquittal, uh, plus Biden making a move on gun control and Cardi B advocating for chivalry. And in our daily cancellation, I'm afraid we have to talk about uh, Cosmo and their article, Fetishizing Cannibalism. Yes, really. All of that and more today on The Matt Wall Show. Now, a quick word from Legacy Box. The most important thing we have, you know, in our homes are those, the memories, the keepsakes, the things that, uh, that remind us of maybe of our own childhood or remind us of our kids and the times we've had. Uh, that's why you don't want anything to happen and you lose all of that. And so you shouldn't wait to digitize priceless memories today. Legacy Box is an ingenious mail-in service to have all those irreplaceable moments that are trapped on video, tapes, camcorder tapes, film reels, uh, whatever it is, pictures converted to D DVD or digital. Home movies can transport us back to unforgettable times. When was the last time you watched yours? Probably been a long time. One song, one photo, one sniff of nostalgia can take us back to you know summer vacations, all the way back to childhood, all of that. Uh, but what happens if you lose that? What if happens something something happens? They get damaged. Isn't ensuring that your family's legacy is digitally preserved so that it can be passed down just as important as creating those memories in the first place. I would say so. Legacy Box is a way for you to easily and affordably digitally preserve your past. The process uh, is uh, is very easy from start to finish. All you got to do is pack up whatever you want stored. You send it to them, their team digitizes everything, and they send it back to you, and you enjoy it. It's that easy. Over 850,000 families have trusted them to digitally preserve their past. I am one of those families. We couldn't be happier with the service. Get started preserving your past today. Go to LegacyBox.com Walsh to get an incredible 40% off your first order. Buy today to take advantage of this exclusive offer, and then you can send in whenever you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com Walsh and save 40% off while supplies last. So if you, like me, have never watched The Bachelor and are still a little bit confused about what The Bachelor even is and are sure only that whatever it is, it's certainly entertainment for people with the IQ of uh, maybe a squid or something, if this describes you, then you have missed the, probably the latest controversy surrounding the show. I bring it to your attention now as it was brought to my attention only because it's so, it's so perfectly emblematic of where we are as a culture. So now try to try to follow this story because it gets a little gets a little twisty. Uh, Rachel Kirk Connell, or maybe it's Kirk Connell, not sure. Is we'll go with Kirk Connell because it sounds fancier. Rachel Kirk Connell is a contestant on the latest season of The Bachelor, vying for the heart of one Matt James. The contestants are all trying to uh, actually marry him. I think that's how it works. Anyway, Matt James is a black man. And that shouldn't be relevant, that shouldn't matter, but of course, race is always made relevant by the left these days. It came out recently that Rachel has a history of racist behavior. And by racist behavior, we mean principally that she attended a frat party in 2018 with an antebellum South theme. And pictures from this gathering uh, resurfaced, as they say, and she could be seen wearing a white hood and... Um, uh, with, a, with a pointy top and lighting a cross on fire. So, no, sorry, actually, never mind. That's not what the picture shows at all. No, in the pictures, she's wearing a pink frilly dress and, and, and taking a selfie with her friends. Th that's it. Antebellum, as it turns out, 
is not Latin for racist or Klan member. It actually means literally before the war, antebellum. So the antebellum South is the South before the Civil War. Yes, the South before the Civil War had slavery. That's true. Um, so did a huge portion of the rest of the globe at that time. So when, when, when college kids go to an antebellum party, they're not going there to celebrate slavery. That's not the idea. They're going there to wear fun outfits and most crucially uh, to drink copious amounts of alcohol. That's, of course, always the real, uh, the real goal of any college party. So, and this is clear to any reasonable person, right? But we're running a shortage of those kinds of people today. So the controversy raged. Internet sleuths started digging up other suspicious online activity from this, uh, this girl, edgy posts and, and photos the, girls li- the girl liked. And they dug up rumors from her time in grade school. Uh, and the hunt was on. They were on the trail of another racist, or at least someone that they could pretend was racist. It's the same story we've played out We've seen play out a million times before. And as part of that story, we know that the apology always comes next, right? Rachel Kirk Cannell issued a groveling, begging apology, actually calling herself a racist multiple times in in the apology and pleading for forgiveness for the harm and damage that she'd caused by wearing a frilly dress and taking a picture. Of course, no forgiveness was given. It never is. And that's when things take a turn for the even more insane. Chris Harrison is apparently the host of The Bachelor, uh, or was the host. He's he's now stepped down um, after his own racism controversy, stemming from the racism controversy surrounding Rachel. If you think that, that simply being the host of The Bachelor was the most embarrassing thing that Chris Harrison would ever do, get a load of this, because it gets a lot worse. He appeared on an interview show on Extra TV with a woman named Rachel Lindsay. During that interview, um, this was early last week, he was asked about the Rachel Kirk Canal stuff, and he rambled for a little bit, but his point was simply that we should, uh, we should have some grace for her, and we shouldn't ruin her life over this. And he tried very, very hard to make a reasonable point without ever taking a firm position. He tried very hard. In fact, he, he uses the phrase, I don't know, about 50 different times during this short part of the interview. And his point seems to be, we should have grace for this girl. But also, I don't know, who knows, please don't be mad at me. Let's listen to a, a clip of that. What are your thoughts about Rachel Kirkinell and the allegations attached to her? A couple of things. First and foremost, I don't know. Um, I haven't talked to Rachel about it. And, and this is, again, where we all need to have a little grace, a little understanding, a little compassion, because I've seen some stuff online, again, this judge jury executioner thing where people are just tearing this girl's life apart and diving into like her parents and her parents voting record and what it's it's unbelievably alarming to watch this i haven't heard rachel speak on this yet and until i actually hear this woman have a chance to speak who am i to say any of this my guess these girls got dressed up and went to a party and had a great time they were 18 years old now, does that make it okay? I don't know, Rachel, you tell me. Again, I am not the woke police. There's plenty of people, plenty of people who will do that for us in this world right now. I don't know, like, do you, do you go tear all those places down and, and, and tear up the dirt and, and dig deep enough that it erases it? I don't know. Um, you know, when you see San Francisco erasing Lincoln and erasing Washington and erasing people, 
because of what they stood for 180 years ago. And again, they may be right at the end of the day. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm just going to give her the grace and the, and the time to actually come out and speak. And then hopefully I'll even have a chance to debate her. And I know you will for sure. She'll go on extra or go on your podcast and, and hopefully you'll have a great talk with her. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Don't be mad. Don't hate me. Gee, guys, I just think maybe sort of we shouldn't ruin this girl's life because she went to a party in 2018. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Don't be mad at me. Well, guess what? They were mad at him. Uh, Because of that, what you just heard there, he was accused of, of, of racism too. And now he's stepped down after issuing his own groveling apology where he also Uh, confesses to uh, causing damage to people, even though he caused no damage to anyone, and admits that his actions were racist, even though they weren't. In the lead-up to him stepping down, the host of that interview, Rachel Lindsay, complained um, that uh, that he used his privilege during the interview. And all of the Bachelor contestants came out against him, and his own girlfriend, his girlfriend, told the media that he was defending racism and it's unacceptable. Much of this after his apology. And they still all lined up to throw him under the bus because the apology is never enough. And this this is why I bring this story up. And I think it's worth reflecting on. We are way past the point of saying simply that people these days are unforgiving or that they fail to forgive or or they fail to show grace. We are way past that. We're We're at a point now where forgiveness is ruled out categorically to even advocate for it is a sin just as bad as whatever sin you're saying should be forgiven. Even if the original sin was no sin at all, which most of the time it isn't. See, what this is really about and has always been about is cultural dominance. The woke police, as Chris Harrison called them in that interview back when he was pretending to have some semblance of a spine, the woke police are looking for any opportunity to impose their will. And that's really what this is about to punish those who deviate uh, from the path that the the woke mob has prescribed for all of our lives. And that explains the seemingly sort of weird fact that oftentimes the people who defend the canceled person will get canceled even harder than the original cancelee. It's because the defender is making a more direct and explicit attack on the woke mob's tactics and therefore its authority, even if that attack is still extremely circumspect and peppered with all kinds of qualifiers and clauses and so on, as it was with uh, Chris Harrison. Doesn't matter. Anyone who dares to speak up and say, no, you know, uh, I don't think you guys should be doing it this way. Anyone who does that will get the harshest treatment of all. Harrison's girlfriend knew that. That's why she threw him right under the bus. All of the contestants on the show. Everybody gets the message, right? And that's how this is supposed to work. I said last week that the woke mob uh, takes your scalp. Once it cancels you, they take the scalp and they nail it to their wall as a trophy. Well, I was actually wrong. That's actually not exactly correct. I think it's truer to say that they take off your head and they put it on a pike and leave it on the outskirts of town as a warning to any other challengers. That's really what, what it is. It's ruthless, it's bloodthirsty, and it's extremely effective. And to stand up to them, to really stand up against them, to really defy them, will take a lot more courage and backbone than the host of The Bachelor apparently possesses. No big surprise there, I suppose. Now let's get to our five headlines. 
Before we go any further, a quick word from our very good friends over at PragerU. You know, you think about the education system, all the problems that are there. We've spent many shows talking about it. Uh, critical race theory, choosing your own gender, the gender theory nonsense, climate change, doom and gloom, the attack on uh, American history, all of that. And the left-wing nonsense is now taught from kindergarten through grad school. Uh, they, 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 it's, they don't wait until high school now. It's like they start all the way in kindergarten. It's turning kids into left-wing activists by indoctrinating them before they're, you know, b before they have the, the, the psychological capability to, um, to, you know, sort through fiction and, uh, and, and fable that they're taught in schools. Millions of kids have, have to attend these schools and this is what they're, what they're subjected to. And this is why we need to fight back. My friends at PragerU know exactly what we're up against and they're doing something about it right now. Several of us here at The Daily Wire are featured in PragerU videos. Um, PragerU knows how to educate millions of young people like no other nonprofit. Now PragerU is taking on K through 12 education with PragerU resources for educators and parents known as PrEP. If you are a parent or a teacher, uh, you need to join this group today. There's no time to waste. This is the most powerful community of conservative parents and educators in America. Uh, you can join PrEP at PragerU.com forward slash PrEP. That's P-R-E-P. I can't recommend this highly enough. Even, you know, again, teacher or a parent, you need to be prepared. You need to have the resources. With PrEP, you'll save, you'll save our children from this leftist brainwashing. Best of all, you'll join thousands of members already working together to make sure education reflects our values as it should. We need you on our side. This is, this is what our strength is going to be. Our strength is in numbers. We have the numbers. What we need now, though, is to, is to come together as a community. That's what PrEP is all about. Join PrEP today by going right now to PragerU.com forward slash PrEP. So a big ice storm here in Nashville. That's why none of us are in the studio right now uh, because of because of the the big ice storm. And when I say big ice storm, I mean we got some freezing rain and some sleet, and there's a little bit of snow on the ground. But this and this is my first winter in Nashville, and I come from up north. Now, when I say up north, I mean like the Mid Atlantic region. I'm talking I'm talking about I'm not talking Alaska, right? Um, but even by that, by even comparing it to that, by those standards, this is really nothing. You know, I, I can remember many a time, many a time, many a winter in Maryland, you wake up in the morning, there's some freezing rain, it, there's some sleet overnight and you say, oh, okay. And you just go about your day. You know, you just go, you, you drive, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, my first winter in, uh, in Nashville, and I'm discovering that it, it doesn't quite, Work that way around here. You get a little bit of freezing rain, and it shuts everything down. Everything is shut down, and it's not just that. Um, it's not just that the city fails to treat the roads. They, they, they no salt, no pretreatment. In fact, yesterday morning, when it had just first started, it was a little bit of freezing rain, and because, like I said, I'm used to I'm used to it a certain way. So I woke up and I had to run to the store, and I thought, well, whatever. What, what am I going to stay home because of some freezing rain? Ridiculous. And so I go out, go out on the road, and it's like the apocalypse. There are there are already cars strewn all over the highway. People hitting guardrails, hitting each other, um, skidding, sliding, because they had done no pretreatment on the roads at all. No salt, nothing. And on top of that, people are speeding through like like it's warm and sunny out. And I always you, you see those those kinds of signs on the highway sometimes, signs that say like bridge is slippery when wet and that sort of thing. And I always see those signs and think, well, who actually needs that sign? Doesn't everyone understand water makes the road slippery, ice ice is slippery, water is slippery. And now I'm seeing that, no, I guess this is, there are some people who need the signs because people, 
flying down the road with ice on uh, the road, and it, it makes it totally hazardous. So now after a day of that, um, it's total shutdown here, and uh, we might be, I don't know, it might be six months before, before we can uh, go out on the road again. We'll see. All right, number one. Donald Trump, as you, I'm sure, heard, acquitted in the Senate trial. 57 votes to convict, 43 to acquit. Um, and uh, so that's his, makes, makes his record second acquittal. And I, I think the thing, now I, I didn't pay a lot of attention. I paid about as much attention to this impeachment trial as I did to the last one. And uh, I didn't pay any attention to that one. So I paid very little attention. But I will say, my analysis of the thing that I didn't really watch is that what sealed the deal, probably, for getting him the acquittal was um, when Trump's lawyers brought up all the times that the Democrats had blatantly condoned and encouraged rioting. And that really does matter. Yeah, it's, this is not whataboutism. It does matter. When, when, when the people who are putting you on trial for a certain thing that you allegedly did actually did the thing that they're accusing you of doing— and we've got hours of video of them doing it. Yeah, that matters. Of course, that's going to be brought up. Um, they they just don't have the 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 grounds to make this kind of charge against anyone when they spent months and months and months in a much more explicit fashion encouraging and condoning rioting. The only thing that made it. The only thing that stopped it from being completely explicit is that they renamed rioting unrest. And then they took that word unrest and went ahead and absolutely um, defended it and condoned it and encouraged it and said, we need more of it. Representative Jamie Raskin, kind of looking for the bright side, says that, well, at least we got Trump to admit that he's a former president. Listen. It is what it is. Uh, Mitch McConnell clearly feels that uh, Donald Trump remains a huge problem for the Republican Party, even if he has been disgraced in the eyes of the country. And uh, that is not my jurisdiction. And I really don't have anything to say about that. I think, you know, they will uh, have to deal with the political dynamics uh, within their within their own party. So um, we did get um, we did get Donald Trump at least to admit that he's a former president now. So that's good news. Uh, he's not asserting that somehow he's still president. Um, and they're recognizing, at least in a de facto sense, um, the legitimacy of this presidential election, which, of course, President Biden won by more than 7 million votes and by a margin um, of 306 to 232, 306 to 232 in the Electoral College. Well, that's one thing, at least. Grasping at straws. You, you, you take what you can get, I suppose. Meanwhile, Eric Swalwell, um, in reaction to the decision, found a way to be a bigger tool than usual. He's always, he's always a tool, we know, but he, he always finds a way. It's kind of impressive. He finds a way to up the ante, and he really did. He really did this time. Listen. The choice was, well, do we chase those people, not knowing what they're going to say, to the courts for years, or do we go forward with a powerful thundering case that we have? And also knowing that Mitch McConnell was already telling us that he believed the challenge was a jurisdictional one. So we could have called God herself and the Republicans weren't going to be willing to convict. So we're proud of the case we put forward. God herself. God herself. Well, Eric Swalwell is just deciding for God what his new pronouns are going to be. 
I guess we, 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 we no more respecting the pronouns. He's just decided. It's not even like Swalwell is going with some sort of gender-neutral thing because he's saying, well, we, you know, we don't really know what, what uh, gender God is. A God is, is beyond gender. Um, that's not even what he's doing. He's just assigning different... He's still, he's still going with the gender, but he's just assigning a different one to God and saying, this is going to be God's gender now. Because, because I said so. And, of course... If you're a Democrat, you don't really believe in God anyway, no matter what you say, then, um, then it doesn't, doesn't make a difference as far as you're concerned. Okay, number two from CNN. Um, Ravi Zacharias, uh, the prominent head of a global Christian organization who died in May, en- engaged in sexual misconduct that included sexting, unwanted touching, spiritual abuse, and rape, according to a statement from the, min- from the ministry he founded, summarizing the results of an investigative report. So this is from his own ministry saying this. Um, allegations came from four female massage therapists who said Zacharias, quote, would either touch his genitals or ask them to touch, ask them to touch his genitals. Additionally, five massage therapists claimed, quote, he touched or rubbed them inappropriately. And one reported, quote, many encounters over a period of years that she described as rape, according to a 12 page report from the law firm Miller and Martin, which was hired by the ministry. Um, the law firm said it employed a private investigation firm that included former federal law enforcement officers. More than 50 people were interviewed, including more than a dozen massage therapists, according to the report. Um, Several women accused Zacharias of using ministry funds to give them financial support, eliciting personal information about their lives, and employing religious language during encounters, according to the report. Uh, And then it it goes on to all all um, all of the gross and disturbing details. You can look it up if you want. I... Now, maybe depending on, you know, depending on how closely you follow Christian apologetics, uh, you, you know, maybe you've heard of Ravi Zacharias, maybe you haven't, but he's, he was a very prominent Christian apologist. Um, and so this is, it, it's sort of exhausting to see this kind of thing from Christian leaders. I, I think we're exhausted by it, aren't we? Every time you see it now, you, your first reaction is another one? Jeez. Um, and in this case, now I can't, I I wasn't the, you know, I wasn't like a follower of Ravi Zacharias. Um, but just, I like to watch debates, Christian debates and, and talks and lectures and and those sorts of things on YouTube. And so I've come across a lot of Ravi Zacharias. I've watched some of it. Uh, I always thought he was pretty good in that role. And so even with that little bit of exposure to him, I saw this and my first reaction was to be sort of shocked, not him too him. But of course, then you realize there's no, there's no cause for being surprised or shocked. Because in reality, you think about how many people in your life do you really know, right? How many, how many people in your life do you really actually know? How many people in the world, I should say, do you really actually know? It's like almost, almost none of the people in the world do you know. The, the actual people you know, people closest to you, the, the people that are absolutely closest to you in your own life, hopefully your spouse, your kids, you know, um, very close friends. Those are the ones you know. And everybody else, you really don't. You, you see someone on YouTube, you, you know, you, you, you listen to them, you, whatever it is. Um, public figure, even if you've been following them for years, you still don't really know anything about them. All you see is what they present on camera. And um, that doesn't tell you much at all. So there's no cause actually for being surprised, um, but even so, it's extremely disappointing. 
and disheartening to see this from yet another, another one of these people. Number three, Democrat President Joe Biden called on Congress to clamp down on Americans' constitutionally protected Second Amendment rights on Sunday. This is from Daily Wire. Demanding gun bans and new laws that will allow people to sue gun manufacturers. Biden wrote to Congress, I'm calling on Congress to enact common sense gun law reforms, including requiring background checks on all gun sales, banning assault weapons and high capacity magazines, and eliminating immunity for gun manufacturers who knowingly put weapons of war on our streets. Uh, a more common sense gun reform that he's calling for. And, you know, I, I, I have to say, of course, I'm concerned ab- about this because we've got Democrat control of the government and we know that they're going to make a play against gun rights. And gun rights, of course, one of the most crucial rights that we have. So I'm concerned about it from, from that angle. But looked at another way, I'm actually not all that concerned about it because... And maybe I'm being naive and, and, uh, and hopelessly optimistic. I don't know. Sometimes I'm accused of that. Not very often, though. But I'm not, I'm not terribly concerned about it because, because this is like the one area, gun rights, where the right, conservatives, have actually stood their ground and put the line in the sand and said, you're not going to cross here. And the left has been trying, and we all think about it all through the Obama years, eight years through the Obama years, how hard they tried. Every time there was a school shooting or anything that they could exploit. And they made very little progress in that direction. They're, they're, they, they have gotten a few things through. There have been a few assaults on gun rights that were more effective than all the others. But for the most part, they have not. This has been, the, this has been maybe the one area where the left has consistently failed. And so I'm going to say, I think they'll fail again because that line in the sand. This is, this is the, the one issue where conservatives have simply said, I'm not going to budge. We're, we're not going to compromise on this. We're not going to let you have it. Nope. And so no matter, really, it's no matter what gun control uh, policy is proposed, doesn't matter what it is. Most conservatives will say, I don't care, I'm not even going to listen because I'm not going to, we're not going to go along with it. We're not going to let you take any of this. And that's great. This is not a complaint on my, my part at all. That's fantastic. I only wish we could do that with, I don't know, everything else. I wish we could have that approach and that attitude with every other issue, especially issues that are more fundamental and more important than gun rights. Like, for example, life. Protecting the the right to life, or to protecting the dignity of life. Um, I, I wish we could take that same approach on something like abortion. We're not going to budge. We're not going to let you have this. Of course, it's it's way too late now for us to say you're not going to have this. They've already taken it. But we could still be that aggressive and that firm on life, on protecting the family, on protecting children. So I think we should look at what's happened with gun rights. Um, and gun rights advocates and, and what they're doing, and we should emulate that with every other issue. Stand firm. Don't give an inch. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to give you anything. Uh, number four, there was a viral clip last week of Tom Brady celebrating his Super Bowl win, and at one point he tosses the Lombardi trophy from his boat to another boat where other players are. He actually tosses the, the, the whole trophy um, across the water. And to another boat, and the people there catch the the, uh, the trophy. It's a great throw, great catch, very exciting. 
But for whatever reason, the media tracked down the daughter of the guy who designed the Lombardi Trophy originally, and she was not pleased. Listen. And it takes a lot of work, a lot of hard work, um, a lot of hours go into it. It just really upset me that this trophy was disgraced and disrespected by being thrown as if it was a real football. I didn't sleep for the past two nights because of this. I was that upset because I, I know the, the passion that goes into this trophy and how my dad and all, all his fellow silversmiths are so proud to make this. I personally would like an apology, not just to me and my family and the other silversmiths, um, but to the, to the fans. Two nights. She was up for two nights. Two nights she was up thinking about this. Pretty amazing. But why are we, why would you even think to go talk to this woman? Who cares what she thinks about it? Or her dad designed the original Lombardi trophy. So what, okay. Now we need her opinion about Tom Brady throwing a Lombardi trophy. I, I, I don't really see the connection. But, you know, this is what the media does. You got to find a controversy anywhere you can. If they have, if the modern American media has any talent at all, that's it. Just to, to take any banal occurrence and find a way to make it controversial. Number five, finally, Cardi B sparked her own controversy last week with this tweet. She said, yes, men do deserve to get a gift as well for Valentine's Day, but the gift has to be less expensive than the girl's gift. So if he buys you flowers, you buy him grass. Right. Now we're going to leave aside all the misspellings and she used T-H-E-N instead of T-H-A-N. Uh, so we'll, we'll put all that aside, but now here, here's the here's the thing with this, and I and I'm I'm not the first one to point this out at all. So I'm going to echo the sentiments of uh, of many others when I say this. But um, no, Cardi B, see, you don't get to do this. You you don't get to do this. You see, you can't go with the empowered, independent feminist woman shtick in one second, and then in the next second do this, where you expect the man to pay more or you know to to do more for Valentine's Day than you do. You really, you really do have to choose. It's going to be one or the other. If you, you know, if if women are exactly equal to men, and by that I mean the same as, just they're interchangeable, which is what the left believes. Men and women are interchangeable. There's no real difference between them. Um, and if if it's all about being empowered and independent, and you don't need no man, and you certainly don't need a man to protect and provide for you. Then you know it's you're gonna you're gonna pay the same. You're gonna pay the same for gifts. You're gonna pay the same when you go out to eat. Uh, that's the way it's gonna go. You can't you can't try to you know cherry pick here and let's 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 take the bit the best parts of left wing feminism. We'll take that for ourselves. But then also the best parts of chivalry. We're gonna take that too. No, doesn't work. One or the other. One or the other. Now it happens to be my uh, my personal opinion. That yeah, that, well, Valentine's Day is a, is a silly, ho- silly holiday anyway, fake holiday anyway. But um, certainly, uh, my opinion is the woman should get the man doesn't really you don't need a gift at all for for Valentine's Day if you're a man. It's sort of embarrassing to get a gift. You sh- you certainly shouldn't expect or or want a gift. Uh, but I can have that perspective because I don't subscribe to left wing feminism. So there's no conflict for me. There's no contradiction. There is for you. So you need to choose. All right, let's go to comments. We're going to read the YouTube comments now. Of course, the most, uh, the newest, the latest, and greatest segment on the show. 
some of the comments on the on the YouTube show last week on Friday. This is from uh, Kalella says, who needs Disney Plus anyway when the Matt Wall show is available for free? And then some sort of emoji. But then you included that emoji, so I don't know what that is. This is one of my problems with emojis. One of the reasons I hate emojis is I, I, I can never tell exactly what they're supposed to mean. Um, so this is the Matt Wall show is available for free. And then the, it's an emoji of someone sort of smirking and looking to the side. Is that, your, is, that, is that to communicate sarcasm? See, I don't know. You could have just attacked me for all I know, and I'm not sure. Philip says, hey, Matt, looking for advice on flannel shirts. I have several, but I'm not sure if any are giving off that I'm here to party vibe. And by party, I mean conservative, Catholic, settle down and have kids and prefer to be home by nine. Well, you can't go wrong with flannels, as you can tell. Uh, that, that's the whole attraction with flannels is if you if you have if you're a man you have no sense of style whatsoever throw on a flannel throw on the jeans and you're good to go joseph says morgan wallen inspired me to learn how to play guitar and this is just incredible his music is wonderful and i support him 100 percent um yeah i've got a lot of comments like that we've talked about the morgan wallen situation and um i never really i'll be honest i didn't even know who he was because i don't i don't really follow country music i didn't even know who he was until all this happened but a lot of comments from people saying big fans of his music, big supporters of his. That's the other thing to keep in mind when you're getting canceled. Um, that probably, especially if they're if they're if you're being canceled over some ticky tack thing, the people who are attacking you and coming after you, they they were never supporters to begin with. So maybe it feels like public opinion has changed or there's people are turning against you. And maybe in the, the case of Chris Harrison, that's really true. His own girlfriend came out against him. But so it, might, it might sort of depend on what circles you run in. But uh, for someone like Morgan Wallen, who's apologized multiple times now, his actual fans, I really doubt that any of them uh, turned against him and started calling him a racist because of this. So these were all people who probably, like me, had never even heard of him before. And now they're saying, oh, that Morgan Wallen is a real racist. Who cares what they think? Uh, Jimmy Jim Jim says, hey, Matt, I've heard you say you won't get the coronavirus vaccine. Why is that? How do you feel about vaccines in general? And why do you get the flu vaccine? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think a lot of us would. The reason why I'm not going to get the coronavirus vaccine is simply because I don't, I don't personally feel like I need it. I'm not in a high-risk category. I think I may have already had the coronavirus back in February of last year. Um, and whether I did or didn't, I'm, I'm not in a high-risk category. There's a, there's a very low chance that I would have any serious, any very serious reaction to the coronavirus to begin with. And so I, don't, I simply don't feel like, for me, it's something that I need. But that, 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 that's a choice that I can make. I should be able to make. And everyone can make their own choices. And that's my opinion on vaccines in general, whether it's the coronavirus vaccine, the flu vaccine, or the vaccine for anything else. You make the decision for yourself. If you're a parent, you make the decision for your child. And people should make their own decisions. It depends on what you think your, your risk category is, uh, what you're comfortable doing. Because you are injecting something into your body or having something injected into your kid's body. And no, I don't think you should do it if you're not comfortable with it. Um, if you are, then go ahead. So that's it. That's my, that's my whole perspective on vaccines. If you want to take it, do. If you don't, don't. Do what you feel like is right for you. Uh, I, I really don't have an opinion about if someone else should get a vaccine. That's up to them to decide. 
and finally, Malachi says, Matt, you should really stop banning people from the show. You won't have any listeners left. Well, Malachi, you know what's going to happen now because of that comment. You are banned. Quick word now from our friends at Rock Auto. You know, if you have car problems, if you have car trouble, there are a couple ways you can go about solving that problem. You can go get in your car, drive to an auto parts store, look around for what you need, uh, pay more than you need to. There's uh, not a great selection. Maybe they don't have what you need. They got to order it anyway. You're dealing with all these questions from the, the, the person there at the store. You can do that, or you could just grab your phone out of your pocket or go to your laptop on your desk and go to rockauto.com and find everything you, you could possibly need. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what they think the market will bear like airlines do. Um, why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? That's the really simple question you have to ask yourself. I don't think you could come up with a good reason to do that. Uh, rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals or do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Again, there's no reason at all to do that. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your uh, car will ever need at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And remember to write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. As I'm sure you uh, know, actress Gina Carano has been making her way through the news cycle recently. She was the star of the hit Disney Plus show, The Mandalorian. She was dropped from the series and by her talent agency for criticizing the woke Hollywood mob. So they sort of proved her point then by, by canceling her. At one point in time, this would have been another conservative voice silenced out of the entertainment world, but that's no longer the case. It doesn't work that way now because the Daily Wire rejects cancel culture and everything it stands for, and we're prepared to fight back. So that's why... We just announced a new movie deal with Gina. That's correct. She'll be developing, producing, and starring in an upcoming film that will be released exclusively to Daily Wire members. This is pretty exciting. You know, we, we, we've all said it. Conservatives need to do more than complain and critique. We need to step. We need to stop running away from the culture. We need to be creators and influencers that challenge the leftist narrative in Hollywood. And we do that by creating good art that stands on its own in the world of entertainment. And that's what we're going to do when we bring in Gina. Disney Plus has $8 billion uh, to spend per year. We have you. They've got $8 bucks. We've got you. So join us today in the fight to take back our culture. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and use code Gina. That's G-I-N-A to get 25% off your membership today. Make sure to do that. This is the way. Let's get to our daily cancellation. Today we're going to cancel Cosmo again. Cosmopolitan Magazine is getting canceled. This will make, I believe, their fourth or fifth or sixth, I don't know, cancellation. So far, they're behind only uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and my own family members for total number of cancellations. This one is richly, richly deserved. The most deserved of all, in fact. And I should warn you ahead of time, if you're listening to this show with uh, little kids anywhere within earshot, Maybe hit that pause button and circle back, as Jen Psaki would say, because this is this is graphic and disturbing stuff. I'll tell you ahead of time. Yet there's an important takeaway. So um, I, I think it may be worth wading into this swamp for the takeaway. Maybe worth. We'll see. For some background, Army Hammer is an actor who, along with having maybe the greatest name of all time, also has starred in a number of films. I couldn't tell you what any of those films are, but trust me, he starred in them, whatever they are. 
Well, it's come out, uh, though nobody was asking, that Army Hammer allegedly has a cannibalism fetish. One of his ex-girlfriends reported, quote, "Um, he said to me he wants to break my rib in barbecue and eat it. Not the kind of thing you say on a first date, or really any date. I'm not sure in the cannibalism community what the standard etiquette really is. Like, when do you tell your girlfriend or boyfriend that you want to consume them? Maybe you bring it up while eating, could provide the nice conversation transition. You know, like, hey, uh, speaking of dinner, I wanted to ask you something. Anyway, I joke because that's how I deal with insanely disturbing things. Cosmo had a different method, though. Their way, way of dealing with it was to throw up in their arms and embrace it totally. Which brings us to this article with the headline, Yes, there's a safe way to have a cannibalism fetish. The Army Hammer stories, not it. Now, you would, of course, assume that this is a, a guest op-ed written by Hannibal Lecter or something. But no, it's from Maria Del Russo, based on a conversation with someone named Jet Setting Jasmine. The latter is, quote, a fetish educator. How does one get a job as a fetish educator? Uh, what does one do in this job? What does the nine to five look like? How long will it be until universities are actually offering degrees in fetish education? Are they already offering degrees in that, in that field? These are all questions that go unanswered. Here's what the article does say. Um, reading now. Quote, Here's what I've been seeing uh, people get wrong in the conversation about Army Hammer and the abuse allegations against him. His alleged cannibalism fetish itself isn't the problem. I beg to differ, ma'am. I really do. The problem is, if the allegations are true, whether he used his power to groom these women into participating in a lifestyle they had truly not consented to. A cannibalism fetish is characterized by a person who fantasizes about consuming someone or being consumed. The key word is fantasy. The fetish never goes so far as actually eating or killing someone, of course. That'd be illegal. Just having the conversation around eating someone and being sexually stimulated by that is considered a cannibalism fetish. Just having the conversation. (laughs) When you bring up cannibalism, the other person should be disturbed. It's like, hey, 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 I'm I'm just having a conversation about eating you. That's it. It's, It's only a conversation. Sit back down, okay? Everything will be fine. Now, okay, so if you got that, it's illegal, right? Actually killing and eating someone is illegal, and that's why you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't kill or eat someone because it's illegal. Not because it's completely evil, sick, twisted, depraved, disgusting, the most barbaric act a person can possibly commit. No, because it's illegal. That's it. The article continues, once the allegations against Hammer blew up the internet, all the media attention zeroed in on the word cannibalism. Well, yeah, that, that tends to stick out. That's uh, one of those things we, we, we tend to notice when you throw cannibalism into a story. People are going to focus on it. That's the way it goes. Uh, she says, we were totally titillated by the taboo. But I'd like to offer a different framework, one where we understand Hammer's alleged behavior as troubled, but not necessarily because of the C word. Well, because of the potential absence of another C word, consent. Any form of grooming into a lifestyle without consent is a violation. Consent is the difference between BD- BDSM and non-BDSM uh, encounters. We cannot actually consider an encounter true BDSM if there isn't consent involved. The minute that a hookup does not have clear consent, it has already fallen out of BDSM and into an inappropriate uh, interaction. Okay, you see, consent. That's all that matters here. Now, we'll get back to that in a minute, but let me read one more part. All right. What is a consensual form? 
of cannibalism look like? Well, here it is. A consensual form of BDSM play featuring a cannibalism fetish would go like this. Somebody might say, I know I can't actually eat your hand off, but I can suck your fingers until you tell me to stop to stop or nibble on you. Blood play is another fetish called hematolagnia, and that can present as someone being turned on by any form of blood during sex. Okay. I told you it was going to get disturbing. There it is. Quick tip here. If you ever find yourself uttering the sentence, I know I can't actually eat your hand off, but stop right there. You, you, you have gone to a dark place because nothing can, good can come after that but. That is one sentence that should not require a but. Okay? So what's the point here? What's the takeaway besides that Cosmo is a degenerate publication that pushes filth and garbage? Well, that's one takeaway. The other takeaway is that this is the absolute depths of insanity, of wicked, wickedness, of evil, of perversion that we sink to as a culture when consent is the only sexual ethic we recognize, right? If the only moral rule governing your sexual exploits is simply that the other person has to verbally agree to be a part of it, then it's, uh, it's pretty much guaranteed that you'll end up in dark, dark places. Hopefully not all the way in a prison cell with a bite mask on your face, giving a detective tips on how to catch a serial killer, but still, you know, dark places. But this has been the direction we've gone as a culture for a long time. We've stripped away the entire moral framework from the sexual act, leaving only consent. And then we're shocked to find ourselves surrounded by freaks and weirdos. We're also shocked to find that people are constantly left feeling abused and used in their sexual relationships, even when there was no actual abuse by legal standards. So putting cannibalism to the side for a moment, why do you think there are so many cases of women having consensual encounters with men and then later saying it was non-consensual, that it was rape? I mean, some of it is, is pure cruelty, manipulation, deceit, false accusations, and all that. But I think there's something else happening too. I think in many cases, people have consensual encounters, but wake up in the next morning feeling used and cheap and degraded. And then, because consent is the only ethical language we have for sex, they figure that it must mean that consent was not real consent. Because that's the, that is the only moral standard, the only moral rule. And so if you wake up feeling bad the next day, you figure, well, that, that rule must have been violated. Even if it wasn't, it must have been. The truth is this. Consent is simple, right? If you agree to do something, whatever it is, you consented. Unless that agreement was forced or coerced, but then that's not really agreement. So if there is actual agreement, then that's consent, whatever it is, period. But then why do people consent and later still feel so terrible, so degraded? Well, because consensual sex can still be terrible and degrading. It's legal. It's not rape. But the sexual act in modern culture has become an occasion for both partners, or however many partners, to consensually use each other, to treat each other like objects. And sex becomes glorified masturbation. And this is a bad thing. It's consensual, but it's bad. See, it's possible for sex to be consensual and bad at the same time. But we've decided that consent is the only rule, the only standard. We don't have the language to um, communicate on this anymore. We don't, even, we don't even have the language to explain why a cannibalism fetish is bad. 
even though almost all of us innately know that it is. But in modern culture today, I think most people will read that article and be horrified. Even people on the left will read that article and be horrified by it. But uh, if they've bought into this framework, they're going to find that, okay, they're going to say to themselves, yeah, this seems disgusting and wrong to me, but I, I can't figure out why it is. I, I couldn't possibly explain why it is. Because, yeah, if they consent, then I guess that's it. It's fine. Two consenting adults, right? That's all that matters. Let me suggest some other language that we could use in relation to sex. Um, love, devotion, commitment. Here's a big one. Dignity. We don't like these words. We're scared of them. But this is the proper framework for the sexual act. The sexual act should be loving, devoted, committed. And it should be respecting of our own and the other's dignity. And here's the great thing. If you have these bases covered, right, then consent comes with it. You don't need to talk about consent. It's a really basic part of the love, dignity, devotion package. You don't need to say, well, sex should be loving, devoted, uh, there should be dignity, and there should be consent. Because that, that is already part of all of those other things. Obviously, if you're having sex with someone without, without their consent, then it's not loving, devoted, or and it's not respecting their dignity. So th th that's already part of it. So make sure that you're only having sex with a person that you love and are devoted to and are committed to, i.e. married to, uh, and that you're preserving their and your own dignity. Do that. And you won't wake up the next morning feeling awful and cheap and used and wondering if, even though you gave consent, maybe you didn't really give consent. Also, you won't have to worry about your sexual partner, you know, trying to cook you for dinner. So that's, that's another positive. That's another plus. Bring, bring love, devotion, and dignity back into sex. A lot of our problems will be solved if we do that. And Cosmo will go out of business. And that's maybe the best consequence of all. In the meantime, though, Cosmo is canceled. And I have to say, although I shouldn't have to, all cannibals are also definitely canceled. That'll do it for us today. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there in the winter apocalypse. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Trump gets acquitted by the Senate in his impeachment trial. Plus, the Biden administration is obviously just screwing with the science on COVID to please the teachers unions. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Tune in. Tune in.